Section 93 of The Mysteries of London, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by April 6090, California, United States of America. The Mysteries of London, Volume 3, by George W. M. Reynolds. The Blackamoor upon quitting old death's abode tim the schnammer and josh peddler proceeded together in the direction of blackfriars bridge while john jeffreys having wished those worthies good-night pursued his way up horsemonger lane and plunged into the maze of narrow obscure streets lying at the back of the prison although he had said good-night to his companions it was in reality morning for the clock of the gal chimed a quarter past three as jeffreys passed by that dismal-looking establishment having reached the door of the house in which he lodged and which was in one of the streets above alluded to he drew a pass-key from his pocket and was about to apply it to the lock when the sounds of footsteps close by fell upon his ears and almost at the same moment a heavy hand was laid upon his shoulder the conscience of mr john jeffreys was not quite so free from sources of alarm as to prevent him from being painfully startled by this occurrence and turning suddenly round towards the individual who had thus accosted him he found himself face to face with a blackamoor fear not no harm is intended you said the negro in a deep solemn and sonorous voice but without the least peculiarity of accent that is he added if you follow my directions and who are you demanded jeffreys reassured by the certainty that he was addressing no myrmidon of the law it is not for you to question but to answer said the black in a cool and authoritative manner which seemed to indicate the consciousness of possessing the power to enforce his will even against any resistance that might be offered but i have no time to waste in unnecessary discourse you must accompany me whither i shall lead you and if i refuse asked jeffreys trembling he scarcely knew why then i shall summon to my aid those who are ready at hand and who will carry you off by force calmly replied the black but if i raise an alarm said jeffreys gradually yielding to a sensation of awe in the presence of the mysterious stranger who spoke with the confidence of power and authority the neighbors will come to my rescue and a truce to this argument interrupted the black sternly if you accompany me of your own free will it will be to your advantage and no harm shall befall you but if you venture to resist me i shall unhesitatingly make you my prisoner by force and we shall then see what account john jeffreys can give up his long and intimate connection with old death i will go with you i will do anything you command said the villain trembling from head to foot only again i tell you that you have nothing to fear and much to gain observed the black and taking jeffreys's arm he led him hastily back towards horsemonger lane neither of them uttering a word as they thus hurried along the night or rather morning was dark and sombre and there were no lamps in the streets which they were threading thus although arm in arm together jeffreys could obtain but a very imperfect view of his companions's features nevertheless it struck him that though the stranger's countenance 
was black as that of an african negro the facial outline was not characterized by the protuberant thickness of lips and hideous flatness of nose which usually belonged to that race but jeffreys was too much alarmed too much bewildered by the sudden and mysterious adventure which had befallen him to be able to make any steady reflections and whenever he threw a furtive glance towards his companion's countenance he was instantly met by eyes the pupils of which seemed to glare upon him from their brilliant whites like those of a basilisk it was indeed an awe-inspiring and most uncomfortable situation in which jeffreys found himself placed having numerous misdeeds upon his conscience he shuddered at the idea of coming in contact with the law and if he offered any resistance to his strange companion such contact was the alternative with which he was menaced but who was this strange companion who was this black that spoke with a tone of authority and acted in a manner denoting a consciousness of power for what purpose was he now hurrying jeffreys along through the darkness of the silent night and whither were they going even had the man been armed with conscience innocence his position was one calculated to engender acute suspense painful doubt and wild apprehension but knowing that he had been guilty of many deeds any one of which would be sufficient to involve him in serious trouble with regard to the law the miserable wretch had everything to fear and scarcely anything to hope it was true he had received assurances that no harm should befall him and that the incident would on the other hand prove advantageous to him but the influence of those assurances was completely absorbed in the vague and terrible alarms which the dread mystery of the adventure was so well calculated to excite conscious guilt made him a complete coward and his ideas became so confused his nervousness so great his excitement so wild that he began to fancy he was in the power of some unearthly being of evil nature and design as this impression grew stronger in his attenuated mind he cast in his terror more frequent glances at his companion and now it seemed as if the black countenance were rapidly changing becoming hideous to behold and lighted up with eyes that burnt in their sockets like red-hot coals john jeffreys felt his legs failing beneath him his brain whirling his reason going and he was on the point of falling to the ground overcome by the terror that oppressed him when his companion's voice suddenly broke upon his ear dispelling all the superstitious portion of his alarms and recalling him to his senses step in said the black and jeffreys found himself by the side of a hackney coach which was waiting beneath the wall of horsemonger lane gale he obeyed the command issued in that authoritative tone which he dared not resist and the black followed him into the vehicle which immediately drove away i must now blindfold you observed the mysterious stranger and i warn you not to attempt to discover the road which we are about to pursue even in the darkness which prevails in this coach i shall be able to distinguish all your movements where are we going what are you going to do with me asked jeffreys in an imploring voice if you are such a coward as you now seem to be you will prove of little service to me i am afraid said the black as he fastened a handkerchief over his prisoner's eyes cheer up man he added in a tone not altogether free from contemptuous disgust if i meant to deliver you into the hands of justice for your numerous misdeeds i should not take this roundabout manner of accomplishing the task once more i tell you that the result of this adventure depends 
wholly on and solely on yourself it may prove a fortunate occurrence for you if your conduct be such as such as to beget confidence and merit forbearance and protection then you wish me to do something for you said jeffreys considerably reassured by the words just addressed to him a great deal was the laconic answer but we will not continue the discourse at present if you please this intimation was followed by profound silence and the vehicle rolled along at a rapid rate jeffreys was now so far relieved of the oppressive fears which had recently paralyzed his intellectual energies that he could even smile at the superstitious alarm which had seized upon him and he endeavored to follow in imagination the route pursued by the coach but he soon became aware that it was taking such a circuitous and tortuous way as fully to destroy all possibility on his part of instituting any clue to its course and he at last threw himself back in the vehicle to give way to reflections on another subject thus abandoning the idea of studying the direction in which he was being hurried along for an hour did the coach proceed making numerous turnings into fresh streets and often appearing to retrace the way it had previously pursued at length it stopped and one of the doors being immediately opened the black took jeffreys's hand and assisted him to alight the mysterious guide then hurried his prisoner into a house up a flight of stairs and into a room where he conducted him to a seat remove the bandage from your eyes said the black this command was instantly and cheerfully obeyed and jeffreys casting a rapid glance around found himself to be in a well-furnished apartment of which he and his mysterious guide were the only occupants the curtains were drawn completely over the windows and jeffreys had not the least idea of the locality to which he had been brought opposite to him but in such a manner that the light of the candles did not fall upon his countenance sate the black whose person jeffreys was now enabled to examine more narrowly than when they were walking arm in arm in the neighbourhood of horsemonger lane gale and that survey showed him a man of middle height well built and dressed in good but plain attire his features were too delicate to be of the negro cast he had no whiskers and his hair was of the glossiest jet and seemed to curl naturally on a table near him lay a pair of pistols and over the mantelpiece two swords hung crosswise beneath a formidable blunderbuss the black allowed jeffreys leisure to examine the apartment probably with the view of convincing him by the appearance of the weapons distributed about that he was in a place where treachery could be punished in a moment and that it would be prudent for him to resolve beforehand to accept any conditions that might be proposed to him after a short pause the black assumed an attitude significant of his intention to open the business of the morning's adventure john jeffreys he said in his calm but imposing manner i am well acquainted with all that concerns you and i know your readiness to serve those who pay you well now however well old death may have already paid or may promise to pay you for anything you may have done or may have to do for him i will pay you better do you choose to enter my service my service exclusively remember because in serving me you can really serve none other you seem to know me well indeed master said jeffreys assuming a familiar tone now that he began to fancy the black to be no better than he should be dispense with jocularity sir exclaimed the other sternly 
and Geoffrey shrank from the severe look fixed upon him and the haughty manner which accompanied the words just uttered. Look you, continued the black, I may as well inform you at once that the companionship which you may expect to enjoy with me will not be of the kind to which you are accustomed with such men as those from whom you parted an hour ago. If you serve me, you must become my slave. You must execute my bidding without even pausing to reflect on the motives which may instigate the commands I shall give you. You must consent to become a mere automaton in my hands, a machine that is to move only as I choose to direct. There will be no familiarity between us, no friendship. All will be enveloped in the strictest mystery, and you will often have to act without comprehending what you are doing or the objects you are destined to accomplish. You will, moreover, be watched by invisible spies, at least by persons whose supervision you will not suspect, so that the least attempt at treachery on your part will be sure to meet with instantaneous punishment, and that punishment is death. I see nothing to object to, sir, in all that, said Jeffreys, now speaking in a respectful tone, providing the advantages are as great as they ought to be. The advantages to you will be immense, resumed the black, and I will explain them. In the first place, there is nothing criminal in my service, nothing that can make you tremble when a stranger taps you on the shoulder. On the contrary, I will protect you even from the effects of the crimes which you have already committed, should they transpire by accident or by the treachery of any of your former accomplices. Your salary shall be liberal and regularly paid, and thus you will be freed from these vicissitudes which make men such as you rich to-day and poor to-morrow when the time shall come which it must that i no longer need your services i will settle on you an income for the remainder of your days these are the advantages which i offer you if you only fulfil one-tenth part sir began jeffreys delighted at the prospects opening before him i am not in the habit of promising more than i can perform interrupted the black haughtily if my service suits you you enter it from this moment i accept the terms with joy and gratitude said jeffreys good exclaimed the black and tossing a well-filled purse towards his new servant he said there are a hundred pounds to confirm the bargain one piece of advice i must give you indeed it involves a condition on which i must insist and this is that you do not through idle vanity display your gold to those persons who may be likely to suspect that you have not come honestly by it for you will not be able to give any satisfactory explanation and i do not choose you to get into any difficulty just that i may have the trouble of getting you out of it again why i say that you will be able to give no satisfactory explanation relative to the source of your prosperity is because you will not know who your master is nor where he lives nor anything concerning him you will have no one to refer to in case you fall into difficulty at the same time i should hear of it and would hasten to assist you if you be worthy of my regard if you deserve that i should care for your welfare but how am i to receive your order sir if i do not know where you live nor who you are inquired jeffreys his astonishment and awe increasing with every word that came from the lips of his new master shall not i know where you live said the black smiling for the first time since they had met and can i not come to you when i require your services will not the post convey my letters and have i not messengers to dispatch to you 
leave all those matters to me trouble not yourself relative to the means of communication between us and ask no questions which do not bear upon the mechanical and even blind service which you are to devote to me you will find me a good and liberal master if you prove faithful diligent and sincere but should you attempt to practice perfidy against me should you deceive me in any one single thing however trifling i shall become a terrible and implacable enemy i can have no interest in deceiving you sir considering all the advantages your service holds out said jeffreys and yet i should like to know a little more of the nature of what you will require at my hands what i shall have to do indeed no i will explain nothing returned the black i have already assured you that my service is safe so far as the laws of the country are concerned and that you will never be called upon to do a deed of which you need to be ashamed supposing that you have any shame in you i say this because i know that you have hitherto pursued evil courses that you have maintained a desperate connection with benjamin bones and that many robberies have taken place through your instrumentality if not actually perpetrated by your hands but if you remain in my service i hope to render you a better man i hope to see the day come when you will know what proper shame is and will blush at many of the actions of your earlier years of this enough however for the present i did not bring you hither to listen to moral lectures or sermons from my lips neither do i believe that precepts are of much benefit to a man who has pursued a long career of vice and error example does much more but experience most of all when you shall have learnt the value of good conduct and advantage of fidelity to him whom you serve you will see how far preferable it is to dwell without the fear of incurring the resentment of outraged laws than to lead an existence of harassing excitement produced by the perpetual dread of falling into the grasp of justice but again i say of this enough do you still adhere to your desire to enter my service i do sir was the answer delivered in a firm tone i must then warn you resumed the black that though i exact the most complete fidelity from you and though i should punish in a terrible manner the least perfidy on your part yet in respect to others you will often be compelled to exercise stratagem and practice plots which at first sight may appear treacherous you will have to wage war perhaps against some of your old companions to defeat their projects even to betray their schemes are you prepared to agree to all this i am prepared to obey your orders in all things was the reply without even questioning my motives that was a condition already imposed by you and agreed to by me and you will undertake never to breathe to a single soul a word relative to the secret service in which you are engaged remember added the black hastily i merely mentioned this as a warning because should i immediately detect any treachery on your part and should not hesitate to punish it terribly i wish you would at once put me to the test in some way or another sir said jeffreys you seem to know all about me but in what way you got your information is of course a mystery to me however you do know me well and having that knowledge of me i can perfectly understand that you do not feel disposed to trust to my bare word in anything now give me something to do put me on a trial in some way or another 
and then judge whether I'm the man to serve a good paymaster or not. You speak to the point, and I will at once put you to the test you solicit, returned the black, and mind how you reply to my questions. Because even were you to amuse me with deceptive answers, in a few hours I should discover the real truth, and my vengeance would overtake you. I, even in the midst of those companions, whom I am about to ask you to betray. In a word, then, what was the nature of the business which took you and two other men to old death's lodgings last evening, and detained you there a great portion of the night? One word before I answer the question, exclaimed Jeffreys, if I reveal to you everything which took place between myself and those two men, and old death last night, you will not think that in the same manner I shall betray to them what is now taking place between you and me? I have already told you that the greatest proof of faithful service towards me is to betray others, returned the black, and I have given you ample assurance that if you attempt to betray me to others, certain vengeance will overtake you. Then if you consider my treachery towards others as a proof of fidelity to you, sir, continued Jeffreys, I am content to be put to such a test. You ask me what took place between old death Tim the Schnammer, Josh Pedler, and myself last night, and I will tell you word for word. A few weeks ago, one Thomas Rainford was hanged at Horsemonger Lane Gale, and was buried in St. Luke's Churchyard. Tonight, Old Death means to have the coffin dug up and conveyed to the house of certain people named Bunts, in Earl Street, Seven Dials, to which house he himself will move today. It seems this Rainford was the eldest brother of the Earl of Ellingham against whom old death had a dreadful spite and so he intends to have the body of tom rain taken out of the coffin a rope put round its neck and a placard on its breast stating that the famous highwayman was the earl's brother the body is then to be conveyed to pall mall and placed on the steps of a nobleman's house this is one part of the scheme concocted last night and which me and the two other men were engaged to execute go on said the black in a low tone the part that's to come is worse than what i've already told you sir observed jeffreys and i'm afraid that if you know i've consented to serve in this matter go on go on exclaimed the black impatiently well sir since i must i will tell you all continued jeffreys old death found out that a lady named esther esther i forget never mind go on i say cried the black more impatiently than before. I'm saying that old death had found out that this lady was the mistress of Tom Rain, the famous highwayman, and that Earl has a great esteem for her. He has also heard that the Earl is going, or was going, to marry another lady named Hatfield, and he made up his mind to have these two ladies carried off and conveyed to Bunce's house in Seven Dials. When he has got them there, sir, he intends— but i really go on man exclaimed the, the black what does he mean to do to put their eyes out replied jeffreys in a low tone and speaking with considerable hesitation the fiend the monster ejaculated the black starting from his chair but instantly composing himself he resumed his seat saying was that the full extent of the atrocity planned and agreed upon last night that was the whole scheme sir answered jeffreys benjamin bones agreed to give us each a hundred pounds for serving him in those matters and he paid us each thirty on account show me your share said the black abruptly 
Jeffreys hesitated and turned pale. Beware how you deceive me. Take care how you trifle with me, exclaimed his master. If you received those thirty pounds from old death, you must have them about you now, for I know, he added emphatically and significantly, that between the time you left his lodgings and stopped at your own door, whether I followed you expressly to ascertain where you lived, you entered no place at which you could have deposited the money. Jeffreys no longer dared to hesitate, but taking a large roll of banknotes and a quantity of gold from his pocket, he spread them upon the table, saying, The thirty pounds I received from old death last night are amongst this lot. And whence did you obtain such a large sum? demanded the black, hastily glancing over the amount. There are several hundreds of pounds here. Well, sir, said Jeffreys, completely overawed by the tone and manner of his new master, as well as by the mystery which surrounded him, I will tell you all about it, and then you will be convinced that if I am ready and anxious to secure your good opinion, I was until very lately in the service of a, of a Mr. Torrens. Ah, exclaimed the black, starting as if with sudden surprise at the information he had just received. Then again composing himself, he said in his usual calm but authoritative manner, Proceed. This Mr. Torrance was paid a sum of money a few days ago, about fifteen hundred pounds, continued Jeffreys, and I put old death up to it. Benjamin Bones again, Benjamin Bones at the bottom of every villainy, cried the black in an excited manner. Well, sir, and so old death sent two men, the very same men who was with me at his lodgings last night to rob Mr. Torrens of the money. They succeeded, and old death changed the large notes into small ones and gold, because large notes are useless to such men as Tim the Schnammer and Josh Pedler. If they attempted to change a fifty-pound note, they would get taken up in a moment, whereas they can manage to smash small notes at the public houses where they deal. So old death had his share of the plunder, and mine is part of that heap. I have now told you everything, sir. No, not everything, said the black in a more serious and solemn tone than he had yet adopted during his interview with Jeffreys. Mr. Torrens is in Newgate, charged with a fearful crime, he continued, and his daughter Rosamond is in a state bordering on despair at the house of kind and generous people with whom I'm acquainted. Good God, who are you? exclaimed Jeffreys, surveying his master in terror and amazement. You know everything, everybody. The least word that is uttered leads to a subject with which you are sure to be acquainted. Oh, sir, if you have had me brought here to do a mischief, to get me into trouble, to make me confess things. Fear not, Jeffreys, interrupted the black in a reassuring tone. I am acquainted with Mr. Torrens's version of the history of that murder, and I know that suspicion rests not upon you. But I now perceive clearly that the tale which Mr. Torrens has told to his daughter, and which his daughter has repeated to those friends of mine who have granted her an asylum, I perceive that the tale is, alas, too true, strange, incredible, as it first appeared. Yes, Mr. Torrens did not deceive his daughter. The house was entered by two men and robbed, as he described the occurrence, and those two men were the real murderers of Sir Henry Courtenay. Jeffreys continued the black in a low and more measured tone you are now completely in my power nay start not fear not it is far from my intention to harm you but it is as well for you to know that you are now bound to me in two ways 
first because i pay you for your services secondly because i will denounce you as an accomplice and an accessory before the fact in respect to that murder if you hesitate to fulfill my orders on the other hand if you remain faithful if you serve me with that blind obedience and implicit zeal which i exact from you you have nothing to fear but everything to hope before i was in your power i had made up my mind to serve you in the manner you state said jeffreys and now of course i am compelled to do so give me your orders what is there for me to undertake shall i inform against josh pedler and tim splint or shall i go and set the constables upon old death who was an accomplice in the robbery since he sent those two men to commit it silence jeffreys exclaimed the black furiously it is not for you to suggest anything but to perform what is suggested by myself and remember i will not allow you to take a single step in these matters unauthorized by me stir not of your own accord or you will only involve yourself in ruin see the position in which you are placed if the two men who murdered sir henry courtenay be surrendered up to justice they may confess it all and their confession would implicate you and benjamin bones nevertheless an innocent victim shall not be sacrificed to the bloodthirsty law which authorizes the punishment of death mr torrens must be saved this is an affair which demands the greatest caution and if you utter a word more than i direct you to speak or take a single step unknown to me you will be undone but time has passed rapidly more rapidly than i had expected while we have been thus conversing together added the black looking at his watch it is now daylight and you cannot depart hence until the evening he knew by the hour that morning had dawned some time but the window shutters were closed and the curtains were thick and ample so that not a gleam of sunshine penetrated into that apartment where the candles were still burning yes you must remain here until the evening repeated the black at what time was it arranged that you should meet the other agents of old death in order to visit st luke's churchyard to-night at eleven answered jeffreys and the place of appointment is at the back of the burial ground but do you intend sir that i should fulfil my agreement with benjamin bones ask me no questions cried his master evidently much excited if not absolutely perplexed by the various ideas that were agitating in his brain i have not yet resolved how to act i must be alone for some hours to meditate in the meantime you no doubt stand in need of rest follow me with these words the black took up a candle and led the way into an adjoining room which was fitted up as a bedchamber there also the shutters were closed and the curtains drawn over the windows this will be your apartment until evening said the black but as i am accustomed to adopt all proper precautions to ensure the complete carrying out of my views i shall be compelled to place some one with you and i most moreover request that these shutters remain closed throughout the day jeffers's new master rang a bell and in a few minutes a tall thin genteel-looking lad but of a complexion as dark as his own answered the summons caesar said the elder black addressing the lad you will stay in this room until i give you permission to leave it and you will see that jeffreys whom i have taken into my service he added significantly is supplied with everything which, which he requires in the shape of refreshments yes sir replied the youth in a respectful manner the black then quitted the room and jeffreys remained with the lad who had been addressed by the name of caesar End of section ninety three